just trying to get by. Everyone's yeah. just trying to like eat, sleep, fuck, and you know, forget about the uh, you know the, the problems that they have. Welcome back. Oh yeah, man, how you doing? You good? I know you like that. I know you like that. How long you been back, man? That would be. I would just probably, I'd probably quit podcasting. I'd be like, I'm done. This is it. <laughs> I just chalk it up to a rookie mistake. That's all. I think I'm beyond rookie mistakes at this point, right? You want to let him in? I'll let him in. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Hello. Jared Freed. There you are. How are you? Can you hear me? You're good. Loud and clear, man. Okay, good. Hold on one second. How are we doing today? Good. How about yourself? I'm okay. Just fucking chugging along, trying to stay busy during a pandemic. You know. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. It so, looks like uh, you've been looks like you've been keeping busy, man. I can't keep up with the whole content you're throwing out there. <laughs> I uh, well, I I was doing a lot before, and then when. You couldn't do shows at night. I kind of just like turned the dial a little bit and I already kind of had everything in place for what I like to do and I can always add on to it or take off of it. So that makes things a little bit. I was kind of um, living in a world where I like doing Internet stuff anyway. So it wasn't like you were kind of set up where you could thrive in a situation like this with like obviously with your, you know, your comedian and your, you know, your about all the time and traveling with everything you had with you up at the end of last year, but you were kind of set up for this. Um, that was the goal. I, you know, it kind of felt like, um, I just watched the karate kid. It kind of felt like Daniel son, you know, wax on, wax off. And then all of a sudden he's like, what the hell are we doing here? And he's like, wax on. And he's like, Oh shit, I know how to fight. You know, like it kind of felt like that. Um, because, because I always went after online stuff because sitting back and waiting for someone to pluck me from comedy obscurity just didn't seem like um, it didn't seem like my best effort at becoming a comedian. And, and that's my opinion. Like I, I'm that that's not to judge other people, but like mm-hmm. it felt like um, if I was really you know, going on stage every night, you know, there's, there's very few comics that are, um, that are found from stand-up comedy. You got to have other things. So absolutely, that is, is the solution for me, even though I'd love to do anybody's job that they want me to do that. You know, I, <laughs> it becomes a luxury, you know, like when people like, I did get hired to do a Snapchat show and I was like, it, it was like, it wasn't easy, but it wasn't hard. Like I, I felt a, well, and you, got to, of, and you got to travel to so many cool places and you got to do a unique experience that totally. a lot of people aren't able to be able to do that. And you just share the burden of it not doing well. Like everything that I do when it doesn't do well, it personally hurts me. You know, like, um, cause it's my personal thing I put out. It's your own and, personal brand. Yeah. It's what you do. Yeah. So like I did, you know, the Snapchat show and I was like, uh, it was a game show and I got to just 
it, it ended up making like I I was like wow I'm kind of good at this because I could I was only doing one thing it wasn't like I was like you know figuring out the locations and writing a script and directing myself and you you realize you're like oh god you know I can use my right hand again so it's that was kind of nice. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in your opinion, like you just said, um, you know, I feel like in today's world, you can't just get plucked off, you know, doing stand up comedy. Do you feel like that's changed with the advent of the Internet, you know, kind of comparing it to, you know, uh, people back in the Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, where they were, you know, kind of kings of the stage? So what I mean by that is you can be plucked out, but it's not for lack of putting yourself out there. So okay. like, like my thing is like, like, oh, OK you could go on YouTube and, and p there are people that have millions of views on their standup. They're selling out shows. They're not going to, they don't need to be plucked out. Right. You know, like they, yeah. can, they can go on the road, make good money, like great money um, and build up an audience. And like the audience will kind of set you free. Like I'm just saying like what I found a lot of times, and this goes for everyone has like when I was auditioning or when I was doing standup, um, Sometimes a lot of the, the decision makers looked a lot like me. And so like sometimes I would get in a position, like every show I go to, the security guy goes, ticket please. And I'm like, I'm Jared, I'm the comedian. They're like, oh, you look like anyone that would be at the show. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So there's like positive and negative to that, just like anything. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that there's right. good and bad to everything. Like someone else who's from a different background could say, that could have a different version of this, but mine was always that like, you have to prove that I'm not just your nephew. I'm not just the kid you went to camp with. I'm not just your friend. I'm, 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 I'm a professional. Uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a better version of that, but I'm going to talk about things you would talk about with your friend, your cousin, your nephew. Yeah. Makes sense. Completely. So we appreciate you coming on here, Jared. Um, so I've been following you since your TFM days way back when, and uh, Ooh, thank you, man. So, you know, following you along with the evolution of, you know, the J Train podcast from back when it was with TFM and then you kind of went off on your own. And then obviously you sort of transitioned to the Betches side and, you know, you have your You Up podcast now. One thing I've always been wondering is how that transition kind of, you know, came about from you being this fraternity guy or acting like this fraternity guy to now being wrapped up in the Betches culture and talking about dating and relationships. Sure. It, it, it never starts at, uh, so I, I appreciate it. Thank you. And I, um, but it never starts at, I got to find some frat guys. Like it, it, it never starts at that. It's way more broad. I want to be funny for money. That's always been, I want to make a living being funny. So I got to find people to be funny for. And the thing about Total Frat Move, I can understand how Total Frat Move is the punch of a certain joke. I can understand how that is a group of people that people might hate or might make fun of. I, I understand that joke. Uh, but they also, I was always looking for broad. I was always looking for like, those are guys that I would have, gone to college with. Those are guys that I would ball bust with. Those are guys, the people that would read that site are people that I would, that I would hang out with, you know, and not, and then there's that 1% of people who are like, you know, assholes that they'd be like, okay, well, frat guys are all assholes. It's like, you're always, 
I call it the Dave Matthews theory. Like uh, Dave Matthews band is a good band, but people hate on it because of the worst version of a Dave Matthews band <laughs> fan. So sure. I think you're all judged. Every group is judged by its worst. Of the extreme. Band. Yeah. Of the extreme. Totally. So politics, religion, every group is, is some uh, internet culture. Everything's, you know, uh, comic books, video games, everybody's judged by their work. So I never, but I was always like, Hey, I just want to be put on. A, I want to show up to someone's platform and do something special for them. So I was always, I was writing for bro Bible. And then I started, you know, doing stuff for total frat move. And then I ended up meeting with those guys in Texas. And I was like, I want to start a podcast for you. And they were like, what's a podcast? And I'm like, <laughs> perfect. And my, in my brain, it wasn't, let me start. I want to start a frat podcast. My brain was more, they have a million Twitter followers. I'll create a podcast. I'll produce the podcast or find someone to produce it for me. And then that will be my own marketing arm to be able to be funny for more and more people. So again, that's a selfish way to look at it, but total frat move has its reasons for saying yes to that. Everyone's self-motivated. So total frat move, I say to them, like, they're like, Oh, we can have a radio show. Like they, they, you know what I mean? So like, now I've done all the work to introduce their audience to podcast forums. I was their first podcast. Um, and then I started doing that. And like the show was always my own. The show was never like them being like, you should do this. I was like, I want to do like the news like Howard Stern does. And I was like, okay, TFM has content that we can talk about. And we can kind of like bring those stories to life through discussion. And then that was like, fine it really wasn't like it was doing it was fine enough and it worked kind of and i would have different comics on to discuss it with and then i started asking for emails and at the end of the show and then i was getting so many emails that were asking for advice for some reason because i think people liked what i was writing about and people liked kind of that i would talk a lot about dating and a lot of them were dating questions so then the show became all dating questions and it was called like someone called it the Dear Abby for dudes. And uh, the show, the show worked best when I had someone on that was different from me. So a woman, <laughs> someone uh, uh, of a different sexual background, um, someone of a different race. So it was not, so I would bring on, I bring up comics I thought were funny, but like it always felt good to have like an email that like I could speak to from the other side. I remember. Where, I remember just listening back maybe like five years ago or so when I think it was at, you know, personally, I think it was at its best where you had that built in crowd from TFM, right? So you moved mm -hmm. those customers over to your platform and then you yeah. were able to expand across so many different subjects. And then, like you said, bring on so many different guests and cover so many topics. And then when people started writing in and, and you got more and more questions, that was, in my opinion, you know, the, the best part of it. Yeah. I, I, I always just, and the more interesting the question, the better the show was. Like the more in-depth, the more that we could like unpack it. And that's when it got good because I think also women started listening. And right. the, the women emails. Female email. Yeah. Female email. Yeah, we used, we used to get like one female email a month. And, it was this huge thing. Play, 
<laughs> yeah, it was a huge thing, and we play music to make fun of it. And like, I think like the the thing is like I was, and I like this about my fraternity days in college and my friends in general. Um, we were all self aware bros, and I think that self aware bros were drawn to the show. And I think now the more I would go on, and then podcasts got bigger. And Total Frat Move was like, we want our name back. And I'm like, of course. I was like, let me just take the RSS feed, the, the, you know, the, the, the listeners yep. that I had built up, and I'll be J-trained. And then we kind of like – it was amicable. There was no ill will towards either side. We were just like – like I understand why they wanted to have their own podcast. <laughs> they understood why – you know, it makes sense. So I kind of go on my own, and I start going on – and then podcasting keeps getting bigger and bigger. I always love talk radio. Like I listen to podcasts since like since having an iPod mini and downloading episodes <laughs> from the day before. Like I before I'm, it was I'm cool. a, a, but I guess so, right? Before it was easy. Yeah, you know, I, just now, remember, I just remember on those iPods what I was like, what the hell's a podcast? Exactly. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand that. So I just want my well, iTunes my dad, music. Yeah, the, well my dad listened to talk radio Boston is like the Massachusetts area sports talk radio is huge. There's nowhere that it's big. And so I was a, a big fan of sports talk growing up and still to this day, you know, I'm listening to podcasts before we're getting on the podcast. So, um, and so I, women started listening to the, to podcasts because serial started. Serial mm. was like the murder mystery mm -hmm. one. Yeah. So that kind of that was like the first one that women really felt like they were listening to the podcast. So then because of that, like if I could this is my like my own oral history that I've done no research on, but just <laughs> right. Um that I'm sure it's it true. Does, it see to me, just from listening, um so then women started starting their own podcast, and then I would be a guest on female podcasts, and then you could see that women were reacting to that and kind of like siphoning over. And then I've always had this relationship with the Betches. We've known each other a long time. I was always sending them stuff that I would like. They were always, we always had like a, like, it's one of the best friendships slash business relationships I've ever been involved with. There's never been ego. There's never been. I always knew where I stood with them. We were always just cool. And Jordana's a big part of that, but all three of them. And I would always send them, I'd be like, hey, this tweet, when people started putting tweets on Instagram or whatever, or I would ask for retweets, I'd be like, this one felt betchy. That was all I would say. And they'd be like, nah, or yeah. And, you know, we're helping each other. And then they wanted to start a podcast, and I introduced them to the people that helped produce mine and then they invited me in they're like we want to start another podcast about dating and relationships and i was like i kind of already do that and they were like well this would be like a little bit different and we also have six million followers <laughs> on instagram so i was like so, okay yeah. yeah and also what it did was it put me right smack dab in the center of the group of people who want the type of material i do most so as far as like the bullseye of like women who love talk, and again, you remember from the from the podcast, like the male emails were pretty simple. Like 
They were like, uh, I met this chick. How do we fuck? Yeah, and do, yeah like exactly. Basic, and then you get the these long-winded, you know, voice messages, emails from all these girls. It's insane. And the girls, so in-depth, so thoughtful. They love a thoughtful, you know, so it kind <laughs> of like all, it was kind of a perfect storm. And now UF has been doing well and J-Train keeps going up. Like it's in, it's very, uh, it's it's been very nice and like and it, it allows me again the audience will kind of be your solution like now there's a little bit of an audience now i can show up to different places and like put some butts in seats and i can do stand up what i you know i love all doing all of it but that's what i love that's the kind of like uh the thing that drives me. absolutely um you're kind of talking like present day uh, let's take it back to the beginning jared when, so funny for money. I love that line. When did that become yeah. like an idea that you want to do? Did it start like early in your life or was it something going into college? No, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was selling life insurance and annuities and I was kind of just like miserable. And the best part of my day was sending funny emails to friends and like ball busting. <laughs> and it takes a minute. I think like um, that's a very difficult thing. Figuring out what you want to do is the hard part. And then once you like, once the, it clicks into place, you like start sprinting. And I, I was like waking up feeling tired, just down. I, I wasn't like, I wanted to sprint and I wanted to like run at something. And like, you know, whether when you're running at something, it, it makes like money stuff kind of like, disappear like you'll that'll figure itself out and i know that's a privilege to say but like when you're having fun doing it you you kind of like i was so then like i was like man this all makes sense now like the minute i decided it just made sense and i Uh like left my job i had savings and i was kind of treated it like it was grad school you know like it takes you know if you want to do something it takes levels of investment i you know time money um, there's way, different ways to invest, but like, I felt that this was a full on full body investment and I did everything I've done that. You know, like there was never going to be a thing that I didn't say I tried. Uh, and that takes a lot of failure, you know? So I like open mics, I took sketch writing classes. Uh-huh. I, I, I took improv classes. I, I uh, I would meet stand-up comics that were working in the business and go to them for advice and like and be like, hey, let me give you some money so I can just talk to you, you know, like like and then like you know doing open mics at four o'clock in the back of a bar where you pay five dollars and being the first to sign, you know, all this stuff became it'll work out, it'll figure itself out, and just looking for opportunities again. And everything I do, I have fun doing. I love giving advice. I love reading the emails. I love doing the podcast. I love yelling at The Bachelor. I love, you know, <laughs> looking at charcuterie boards. Like, nothing I do is because I don't think it's funny myself. So that's why it's like personally, it personally hurts when it doesn't work. And, <laughs> yeah. and that's why it, it, it feels so good when it does work. And that's kind of like the, you know, that's the, um, the uh, that's the, the the like the big catch, you know, version of it. Like that's like it's like big game hunting, you know. Yeah. Like I, you know, there's a, there's a certain hunt to it that I uh, really do enjoy, and you know, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of so. 
in college, like my buddies and I were just being funny with each other. It never was a thought of like how get into the arts. Like, right. <laughs> that was, like, like crazy, this, this is what I'm going to make my money. It was just, I'm being funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. So, um, after this whole COVID situation kind of wraps up, uh, at the end of last year, you were, you guys were on the road doing the U up live mm. shows. Um, is there a plan to get back to that after all this kind of cools down or where do you guys see that going? Um, so I was on the road for everything. I was doing live you up shows. I yeah, was doing you especially. Live, live stand up. I was opening for uh, Michelle Wolf, who was like, again, you know, just had just taped her Netflix special and it had just come out. Yeah, um, she's so like unreal. And um, so like, I want that all to continue. Like I want to be away every weekend. It's a, you know, like I spent 10 years of my life and without even realizing it, like it did, you know, again, that Miyagi wax on wax off, <laughs> you kind of like, Oh my God, it's been 10 years um, of going on stage every night, even at shittiest shows, shows you wouldn't call shows. You'd be like, what is this? And um, I, you know, I want that all to come back in the worst way, but like last night I did a show at a diner parking lot. Wow. I did a wow. show at a diner parking lot. Like the thing is like, can you give us you some really context? Have to, well, it, it, in Queens, <laughs> there's a diner in Queens that does uh drive in movies every now and again in their parking lot. And Tuesday nights, like a guy went to them and was like, "I want to do a stand-up show. Can we do it?" And uh, they did a show, and we they made a stage, and there's people sitting under a tent, socially distanced, <laughs> and there's people in their cars flickering their lights when you tell a joke they like. <laughs> and and I, I think like I think that's why stand-ups, stand-up comics are are considered miserable <laughs> because a lot of people try to like kind of do stand up and it's very offensive to a lot of, uh, of us that because you give up a lot of your life you will go to a diner parking lot to to embarrass yourself to try the new joke you wrote like and if someone's against that they don't do stand up they don't want to do it they shouldn't do it you know like or they're too successful yeah weeds them out yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah. like i well, they're really poor yeah. <laughs> that's right so but like if you like I, I like there's comics like like Jim Gaffigan is at every show. Like yeah, he's this great. is a guy who's one of the most successful comics living right now. And that guy shows up to every show. We'll do like if like we'll come to any show and do some time. Like that's a real comedian. Like so like when someone gets like an audience and then they just show up when it's easy. Now's when it's hard. Now the people that say they're comedians in their Twitter bios, uh, now you're seeing that they don't try – they're not going to the diner parking lot or they'll complain that they can't get booked on it. Yeah. You can get booked. Go show up. People last night – there were comics there last night who came to hang out just for the shot of like you got five. You know, like to go up in front of flickers. Like it's like crazy. and But it's it, it also like – it kind of like – energizes me like I, I i i love that about comedy it's the most physical art form i was in a brewery or in a winery doing comedy in a in a in a field three weeks ago like it's crazy but like you know what do they say like uh you know the earth is healing the comics yeah. are healing the comics like, healing. Like, they're coming back they're falling yeah. back <laughs> exactly 
And then people's always like, oh, this is our new normal. I don't even know if that's going to become normal for you guys. You know, you're you're up there for laughs, flickering lights, and, you know, that doesn't seem like – I hope it's not. I don't want this to be the new normal. Yeah. I, I want – I want um, – like, I – I haven't told a lot of people this, but I was but like I was like approved to do the Tonight Show. Like I was like approved. Oh, like the set is there. Yeah. Okay. Just need a date. And you're like, and this is like again, this is like every uh, at every every you know, generation you have the story. Like I'm sure there's someone that's like, like I, I think there's a movie. Is it Zoolander that came out like the week after 9/11 and like totally bombed? Like and like. Like something like there that. I'm not saying them, yeah. I'm Zoolander. What's that? Yeah, there were a few of them. I can't remember though, but that's a, tragic. So like, I mean, I'll, I'll always less that's tragic, a different but... story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, whatever it is, it's just like that would be my memory of it. Like, wow, I was like, I was right at the doorstep of like a real moment in life, and you know, and then you know, serious things happen, and right. you you kind of have to put that away and laugh about it, like we're laughing about it, and then. You know, hopefully it comes back, but, like, there's a lot of people, especially comedians, who, again, like you said, like, it felt like I was preparing for a pandemic <laughs> 10 years, and it does feel like that sometimes, but it does feel like you've got to rebuild, especially for stand-up. Absolutely. All right, Jerry, we got one more question for you. So, obviously, <laughs> we're all we're all Penn Staters here. Do you think oh, college shit. Yeah, I got yeah. the repping right now. We are. I love it. <laughs> Do you think college football is going to happen this year? No. Um, I don't. I hate to give a definitive answer because I, I, I would say no because I don't know. The problem with college football is it's built off of a lie. So it's built off the lie that these – people are students than athletes. Mm. So that could remember that commercial where it was like, I'm a student athlete. And there was like, them there. no, you're there to play football. Yeah. And yeah, you just happen well, to they, take classes to, you know. but they were, they were like in the doctor's coat and then they'd be in like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know, oh like yeah. Their field hockey uniform. And it's like, and I don't mean this to offend anybody because uh, there's so many athletes that were that are student athletes, but mm. I'm saying when it comes to college football specifically, they, 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 how can they not pay them at this point? How do you not pay these people when you bring them back to school, when you won't even bring the students back to school? Like, so the problem is the lie, <laughs> you know, it's, like, exposed. If, yeah. it's exposed. So, you you could be a hypocrite if you can keep up the hypocrisy, but you, right. there's no way to keep up the hypocrisy. You have so I like to me to have college football, they'd have to be like, okay, you're getting paid, like you're now semi pro, I guess. Plus, we're gonna consider it pro semi pro because you're also gonna get an education, so that'll be part of your payment. They work it. You know what I mean? Like, doesn't it feel like that? Like, how do they bring them back without if you don't have the student body back? How do you have the football players back? I mean, Without... I play devil's advocate. I think maybe you could argue, oh, well, we set sure. up a safe area for them, right? We have the best medical staff. You know, kind of like the bubble thing that the NBA and the MLS and all these sports are trying to do. But that's just me playing devil's advocate. I think it'd be hard but, to, yeah, but, to convince somebody, you know, hey, we're bringing these guys back I on. 
I know. appreciate the devil's advocacy. I think it's you, but when you bring up again, this is the the hypocrisy. Is like you can the only example to compare it to is MLS and the pro, pro sports. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> so if they're not getting so. This is why I think a lot of these schools are like – I think a lot of them are coming back to make sure they make money on the football. Yeah. Like, it yeah. Kind, I mean, it kind of feels like that. Like I, Because I, my girlfriend, she, she went to Tulane and she showed me like a, a picture of they're putting up like temporary <laughs> buildings to hold classes in so they can be hmm. distanced more. And so – I don't know. I want college football to come back in the worst way because I I want football to come back. I I, I yeah, like if the they were if yeah if, if if it was just pro and we, and college like I'm again like who am I to say I'm okay with it? But I'm like I'm I'd be less like pro sports. I understand you make a decision. Everyone personal responsibility. You're make you're saying I have a job. I'm choosing to go to the go do my job so that I can make, be paid to support my family. But when you're yeah. in college, it doesn't have that same tune to it. And so I don't know how they do it. I, I, I like, it's, it's really sad. I, I love, cause I just like you guys, I love college football. I love Penn state football. Yeah. I love that Penn state football bring is kind of what, like the family reunion. It of becomes course, yeah. the excuse to see your friends. Um, so all of that stuff being lost is like a kind of like a metaphor for like losing a lot of our connections, uh, being able to be like in front of people that we used to be able to like take for granted seeing. So like there's a lot of stuff that goes with it emotionally that like that, you know, you that one could argue is is that like is not, you know, like I don't like these arguments because it's like it seems like a cop out for like some sort of politics. But like the the idea of like, like well, more people will die from depression because and I like I do think like there'll be a certain type of depression if there's no football. Like, like to oh, say and, yeah. and someone someone could hear that and be like, well, you know, I, I, this is like one of those <laughs> areas where blown men out get, of proportion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Men get no uh, emotional like um, like. Like um like credit like 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 men have no emotions. So like us saying like, well, I'd be a little depressed if college. Would, oh, you don't get your football, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, well, yeah, that's how that's how my hobby, that's how I spend my time. Like, that's like my, men, that's my that's my fall. Like, that's what I do in the yeah, fall. That's, that's legitimately how I free my brain from the horrors of reality. <laughs> and it's like, you know, like, and it's like. Someone could look at that, and it is funny to me that men and the the binky of football being taken away. Like everyone has a binky, yeah. <laughs> you know, like everyone has like a, their 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 sucker that helps them go to bed at night. And football is a big one for a lot of men and women, just yeah. like people in general. Hundred percent. That's so, like. You know, we'll, we'll get made fun of for taking football away, but, you know, take Netflix away, and then that percentage of the population will lose their mind too, you know? And me included. So, like, <laughs> you know, so, um, uh, yeah, it, it because these these things become so you versus me, me versus you. We're just trying to get by. Everyone's yeah. just trying to, like, eat, sleep, fuck, and, you know, forget about, uh, you know, the, the problems that they have. Sean Clifford.
It's Clifford. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, I'd go back to Penn State for like, like that's a great place to social distance. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. got all the room in the world. Right? Wouldn't that be the place you would want to like vacation right now? Oh man, work. for sure. Yeah, I think 100%. tailgating might be a little. That might be tough because there's so many people. But beyond that, I yeah, mean, that's the distance place. Well, that's the thing. They say that the like I read this whole thing about how, and it made sense to me. I don't even know if it's the truth, but it makes sense to me that like you're more at risk to get it being around family and friends. Like these social occasions that are amongst people that you know are more risky places because you have a couple beers, you start mm. hugging. Ah, you don't have it. I know you. Yeah. You when know, it's like you know, like you do your one off of them you're like oh you 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 used to wear a condom in college so you're good you know like, and, and um yeah i would say a tailgate is probably like a super spreader 100%. type of uh situation yeah, yeah. And then you take all those people and pack them a hundred thousand close to each other in the stadium i mean that is not gonna happen no They're, they already no. said didn't they how about the eagles Did yeah you see done. That? eagles and yeah. Phillies. eagles and phillies yeah Nobody in those stadiums. And, you know, that I understand after seeing some Philly fans that they're, you know, <laughs> they're just trying to get them to not fight. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think they're doing so, society a favor there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> not the internet, though. Those internet videos are great. <laughs> I know. We're going to miss out on, like, the Philly fanatic, the dude with the Philly fanatic uh, <laughs> tattoo on his navel. Oh, man. But Jerry, man, thank you for coming on. You're actually the second guest on this show, so congratulations. Um, oh, yeah, big. What a what, that, a what a pleasure! I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks again. Uh, most of my followers follow you, but for those who don't know you, you want to plug your social? Uh, at Jared Freed on Instagram. I'm on TikTok now. I'm making oh. fun of. I just posted. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out TikTok. Wait, aren't they, ta aren't they just, taking it away? Or is it getting banned or something? What's going on? I mean, that will put – I hope to God not. I've put in a lot of work. <laughs> I, I, um, I'm Wizard of Haas on TikTok. <laughs> um, but, I, yeah, at Jared Freed on Instagram. I'm going to be in Baltimore. When does this come out? This is the classic podcast question. Yeah, this, this will come out by Thursday. I'll be in Baltimore doing socially distanced half capacity shows uh, this weekend. So jaredfree.com. But uh, this is a pleasure, dudes. Thank you guys for having yeah, me. Yeah, thank you, man. This is great. Awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. If you're in Baltimore, go check out Jared Freed. Practice your social distancing and uh, go say hi. Just six feet away. Please do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A wave. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, guys. Hey, feeling good like I should. Winning the blue walk around the neighborhood Feeling blessed, never stressed Got that sunshine on my Sunday best yeah. hey, Every day can be a better day despite the challenge All you gotta do is leave it better than you found it